Martin Luther King Jr. said, Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Unquote. Join us today for a discussion on love. While love is always needed, always in style, now more than ever in our crazy and torn world, we need to talk about love. We need to share stories about love. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Last week we heard from Marvin Kessler, a man who is creating a crazy, out-of-the-box story, just exactly the way he wants it to be. Listen to that episode to see an example of someone who knows how to purposefully write his very own story. This week we're going to delve into the topic of love. I'll be honest, writing this podcast has stressed me out because love is my favorite topic. It's my favorite because it's the answer to everything. It's one of the things that I really, really believe in and that I'm always trying to do better. So this podcast needs to be good. No, it needs to be great. And that type of pressure makes me want to walk away for fear that I can't do it justice. And I probably can't. But because it's important, let's talk about it and let's roll around in some love. book Lost in Translation, it says, Love alone is capable of uniting living beings in such a way as to complete and fulfill them. For it alone takes them and joins them by what is deepest in themselves. This is a fact of daily experience. The daily experience makes love a loaded word. Meanings implied and created from media, from nurture, from our own experience, It is the thing we crave more than anything else, and it is often one of the most difficult things we engage in. It provides the utmost joy and the utmost pain. If you have had real transcendental experiences where they were filled with the love of God and actually know what that feels like, an elixir they'll do anything to get more of. But most of us look to each other, a bunch of other imperfect people who are also looking for love, And then in the mess, everyone tries to feel, F-E-E-L, and be filled, F-I-L-L-E-D. It is the burnished space of this hunger that we all function from, often looking for someone to fill us so that we can reciprocate. But this is a fool's errand. Love begets love. Hunger does not beget love. There are many facets on the diamond of love. Love of a parent is different than love for a friend which is different than love for a lover. There is the mature choice to love a person when the hunger transitions into familiarity. Love for mankind because of our connection, love of chocolate, love of a pet. When Christ was asked in the New Testament what the most important commandment was, he explained that the first commandment was to love God and the second one was to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but I'm often thinking about how things will affect me and my family before I consider how it's going to affect the guy next door. Now, of course, 
When the term neighbor is used, Christ was referring to all around us, to our fellow human beings, riding this rock around the sun. The older I've gotten, and the more I practice this, the better I get at thinking win-win for everyone, coming from a place of love and acceptance, without judgment. But it's something I'm always trying to do a little better, because it's not the way we're really programmed to think. When someone on Facebook really irritates me, it's easy to pass quick judgment. I have to stop and remind myself to love. When I want that parking spot that's close to the front door, and I can make it in before the other person vying for the spot, well, last week I had to make the conscious decision to let the guy who had his blinker on first take the spot, when I could have snaked it. I know, totally small stuff, but it's these small daily decisions that define how we live. The other day, a friend on Facebook was really lashing out politically. I'm sure you can all relate. His content was negative and fearful and attacking. I decided I was just going to more or less move on, unfriend him maybe, because he was really broiled in a nasty swirl I didn't want anything to do with. But then I was taught a lesson by another joint friend who called him, reached out, didn't write him off, but showed love instead of frustration and judgment. I learned from her example. From the very mouth of Christ, we are taught that love is the most important thing we can do while we're here. But let me take it a step further. Charity, which is often interpreted to mean you know, giving help to someone, like taking someone dinner when they're sick, or giving a dollar to a beggar, is actually much more than, than that. Charity is the pure love of Christ. It is a love that fully encompasses us unconditionally. While this is understandably hard for us to do, we get to practice it and try to understand it because truly it is the basis for where we are whole, where others can be whole where we heal, where we grow, where we become, and how we can truly bless. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul clears everything else out of the way when he discusses the importance of love. It says, quote, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, which, again, pure love of Christ, right? I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I have my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Without charity, which is the pure love of Christ, do you get that we are nothing, not even if we have great spiritual gifts and faith that can move mountains. Now, those are powerful things, but without learning an unconditional love for our fellow men, it sounds like none of that really matters. So clearly, real love, the best we can muster, trumps everything else. Okay, so this is why it's my favorite. When there are a hundred things I'm supposed to be doing right and I'm overwhelmed with the long list of great qualities I should possess, I toss them aside and come back to love. Because if I can get that one thing right, I can figure out the moving mountains and the speaking in tongues down the road. And besides, learning how to love is a pretty awesome thing all on its own. Now, we often think of love as a feeling. A feeling we either have or we don't have. May I propose that love is not just a feeling. 
Sometimes it's a choice. It's an action instead of a reaction. Often when one thinks of love, they think of romantic love, the intensity, the perfection, the rush, the hope. Well, even romantic love gets real sooner or later. And at that point, love becomes a choice. You choose to love a real person who sometimes irritates you, a person who isn't always thoughtful, a person who can't read your mind and address your every emotional need. At that point, when you see the warts and things get real, you choose to love them for who they are, or you don't. There is also an unconditional love that can be extended to those around us in a bigger sense. I did an extended three-month VIP emotional training course with 44 other people from around the country. I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but in case you didn't listen to that one, I want to restate it because it applies here. When we started, we didn't know each other well. We got to work closely in groups. We got to know one another's weaknesses and insecurities. We got to watch each other fail and succeed. Of course, in a group that size, everyone isn't going to like everyone. There are lots of personality types, and there will always be a few folks that you're not going to gel with. There will be some folks that you don't respect very much. There are likely to be a few that you would never interact with in your normal life. People with different belief systems, different levels of effective functioning, different everything sometimes. But, you know, it's just people in all their real and messy glory. Well, part of our motto in that group was that we were looking to create win-win for everyone. No man left behind. We all had a voice, we were all responsible, and we all got to play team. This means that I got to be in groups where I threw my hands in the air because I didn't understand how this person or that person could be so low functioning. I got to resist writing others off and I got to overcome the desire to ignore others for whom I could see no good coming from the interaction. It was definitely a process, but by the end of that three months, I had learned to accept, love, and rein in judgment for every one of those beloved people. I learned to love. It wasn't a feeling, it was a choice. It was a choice not to judge. It was a choice to look for strengths instead of weaknesses. It was a choice to allow greater diversity in thinking, life approaches, and personality types. It was lovely and it was powerful. And it was the first time I had ever done it. What does love look like? I took an informal survey. I asked people for a time they remembered feeling loved. Michael said, it was the fall of 1986. We sat in a Buick Skylark, and from the passenger seat, she looked at me and sang with the radio. And that's why I love you. And that's why we should always show our true colors, she said. I giggled at him and asked, are you serious? And he said, totally. Michael's a musician. Music has always been a language for him, and in this case, a language of love. Mary said, I felt loved when my young husband learned in 1974 that I had dyslexia and struggled with keeping a checkbook and making change, and he was so kind. I hid it from him for years, and when he finally found out, he was kind and praised me for being so incredibly successful while hiding this seemingly impossible challenge. His understanding and support spoke love. Constance said, when my dad passed away and my husband's law enforcement brothers and sisters all showed up even though none of them knew him, 
They did it just out of love and respect for us. This support translated into love for her. Sally shared, Last year, after my husband passed, a lady in my church gave me a hug and asked if I were okay. She told me how important I was to the congregation, and if I was sad, they were all sad. This beautiful lady passed away two weeks ago, but will always hold a place dear in my heart. Her words, If you're sad, we're all sad, show a willingness to walk with the downtrodden, to share one another's burdens. And this is love in action. To Sally, it spoke love. In our crazy, chaotic world today, there's a lot of active resistance to love because fear has become a huge dark cloud rolling over the United States, as well as other countries, especially those for which the policies of the U.S. have great effect. Now more than ever, we need to release resistance. We need to return to love. Release old thought systems that don't come from a place of love and surrender to new ways of being. Surrender to love as often as possible. Like Martin Luther King said, hate can't drive out hate. Let love overcome fear. I say this because fear is a real power. Fear generates hatred. It creates reaction. Fear stops the creation of connection. Fear stops love. And there's a lot of fear going on right now in our country. We all long for connection. Marvin Kastler talked about it in episode 23, how on the trail or at the game as a super fan, the meaning he found was often in the people he met. In episode 19, we talked about how vulnerability allows us to create connection with one another. In many episodes, we've talked about fear and how important it is not to let it hold us back from becoming our best selves. Well, all of that rolls into a space we must stretch into, which is to try to understand people and cultures we're not familiar with, and to which we might have fear. In the interview with Lynn McNeil, episode 16, folklore professor at USU, we talked about how an outsider must listen to the stories of other cultures and peoples, other families and groups of people, before they can ever hope to understand where they come from. How important it is to be so very careful with allowing judgments to close off our hearts. Well, I have some great news. Not one of us has to pass judgment on or decide on another's worthiness. God has said, judge not that you be not judged. And he also said, nothing is more important than loving each other. How wonderful is that? He's taken the dirty job out of our hands and given us the job to find the beauty and light in each other. He's told us to cultivate love and acceptance, even as we would have for ourselves. We are all heroes finding our way through our story. At different times we each stumble, at different times we excel. But if we are there to give a hand, to bear one another's burdens during the stumbling, and to celebrate during the exultant times, we will move farther and faster and more joyfully together. And thank God that you don't need to be anyone's judge and jury, just their friend. It makes life a whole lot easier. While Hollywood weaves tales of passion and movie stars and sports heroes discard spouses as convenience and irritation dictate, our models for love are often terribly flawed. When children get to watch their fathers and mothers and other models choose love, choose selflessness and caring for another. 
They then have options beyond the stories told in the tabloids and on the movie screen. I'm not suggesting that choosing love is always easy. It often is not. But I am saying it is a choice to choose, to act rather than to react. And that is in our control. You don't feel the love anymore. Our thoughts generate our feelings. It's so hard to take that much responsibility sometimes. But if you're not feeling love, try extending love. Finding genuine things to compliment your beloved on or your non-beloved. Try appreciation. Try encouragement. Try understanding. Love creates love. Gentleness and support, selflessness and mercy go much farther than critical or condemning words. Keeping score about who did what is more of a business move than a loving move. What if your beloved showed you mercy rather than insisted on justice? How would that make you feel? Can you extend that to another? What if your neighbor reserved judgment and extended genuine friendship and support? Can you do that? What if someone you cared for spent time with you and listened to you? Can you do that? It's true that love is a balm and a roller coaster and a mountain to climb. Love is speed. Love is a calm day. Love is a choice. Love is an anthem for the soul. Love is a hunger, a knife, a space of giving, of bravery, of opening. Love is the greatest work of the heart. Love is not for the weak or the cowardly. Love is God, and God is love. And you and I are part of this very stuff. And in a way, are we not just trying day by day to know our true selves better and in so doing see the face of God and know our neighbor, our lover, our child, our parent, our friend, a stranger? Go out there and love someone today. Don't wait for someone to love you first. Love them first. Love begets love, so get your love out into the world. Reserve judgment. Allow for other ways of thinking and being. And find the strengths in those around you, not the weaknesses. Extend mercy, appreciation, and maybe just sing a love song to someone. Because you can. Because that's your true colors. See you next week on the Love Your Story podcast. Have a good time creating some loving stories. And please go to www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. And give us some feedback. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your thoughts and your stories. 